liked it. I'll never get over it if I'm yeah. being honest, Ross. It's, it was my one opportunity, and I'd have been, I'd have been the proudest I could possibly even dream of being if if we'd have been successful this that season. Hey guys, it's producer Ross here, and I hope you all are keeping safe and well in these very weird and uncertain times we are living in. Another week done in self-isolation. And I have to admit, I have not done much this week. It's been another week of Netflix, FIFA. And of course, I've gone out for my uh, my daily walk, uh, which has not been as good as this week's weather. It hasn't been as great as the previous week's. Of course, it's been very sunny in the self-isolation times. But this week, it's been a bit, uh, bit rainy. And uh, there's one day I got really stuck in the rain and I was not very happy when I walked back in. I was like, I, t- I picked the wrong time to go out for a walk. And uh, yeah, I got a bit soaked. But it is what it is. But here we go. Another episode of the Ross Meat series. I hope you've enjoyed the previous episodes. Uh, of course, with Adam Tanner, George O'Callaghan, Sergei Baltacha and Billy Clark. Of course, this is a series where I catch up with former town players to talk about their careers from the ups to the downs and everything in between. And today I'm joined by former town midfielder Darren Curry. And I have to admit, I was a big fan of Darren's during his time at Portman Road. And it was great catching up with him, talking about his time at the Blues. And of course, we spoke about Joe Royal, his debut goal against QPR, and then that's playoff season. The 2004-05 season was very memorable indeed. And of course, we finished third that season with 85 points. I can't get over it. He still can't get over it. Of course, we talked about that Leeds miss, which is a still a thing he remembers still today. Uh, of course, talking about his time under Jim and he was a, his teammate that season. And then Jim and of course, came manager. So he spoke about his relationship with him. Of course, but about his pace, which he didn't have. But it was a very good joke joke about that. And of course, he's now the Barnet manager in the National League. So we chatted about his current management state there. And of course, we went into his early day at West Ham in his other spells at Plymouth. Barnet as a player... And of course, Wickham. And um, it was a good catching up with him. I hope you guys enjoy this edition of Ross Meets. And let's get into it. Aaron, how are you doing, my friend? I'm really good, thank you. Good to see you. Good, good. Um, how, how's everything in this weird and uncertain times we're currently living in, in self-isolation? Yeah, I, I think it's more frustrating for my kids, to be <laughs> honest. Um, as, as an ex-footballer and obviously still being in football now, it's kind. we get the this period of... Uh, during the during the sort of summer months where you, you have a few weeks off so you're sort of pottering around the house so it's it don't feel too unnatural to myself um but it's my kids are starting to climb the wall a little bit now and and, and want to get out and get around their friends again yeah how old what age are they they're 14 and 12 so okay yeah they're, they're an age now where they are wanting to sort of be out and socializing aren't they yeah, they want to. They miss their friends. They both enjoy going to school, so they're missing their school friends. And then, where we live, they've got a, a group of friends that they sort of knock around with as well. So, yeah, it's frustrating for them. But you know, we're we're doing what's being asked of yeah. us, and, and that's all we can do at the yeah. minute. Well, um, thank you very much for your time to talk about um your career as a whole. As I said before, we started recording. Um, I was a big fan of you during your time at Town, but um, I wanted to sort of chat to you about your start of your career, you know, have you always wanted to play football? Is that, you know, did you always love football when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I've got some, I've got some photos of, uh, from when I was like two and three years old in football kits and, and kicking a ball around. And obviously with my connection with my uncle, yeah. who, who obviously played, it's, 
and my dad was a player as well, though he never made professional level. He was a, a, a high-standard non-league player. Yeah. Um, so it, it certainly run in the blood. Um, and from a very early age, it, I was just one-track mind, and it was all about playing football. It probably, you know, it probably jeopardised how much I achieved at school because, you know, all I ever wanted to do was play football. So I was I was very focused on that from an early age. So um, where you, where you growing up? Did you play for your local team there, and then and that's when you then joined an academy and stuff like that? Yeah, I played. Uh, so I grew up. I went to school about three hundred yards from Wembley Stadium, ah. um, and I grew up in in Wembley. And I played for a local Sunday team called Forest United, and they were quite a big uh, Sunday club in in Middlesex. And our biggest rivals were Ridgeway Rovers, and that was. David Beckham's team and um, Jason Brissett, Micah Hyde. There's a, there's a few players there that went on and made names, obviously not as big as David. Um, and we were the two big rivals. And then, so that was our Sunday football. Obviously, you know, you had your borough football and your county football. Um, and then as we went up through the age groups, I started playing for a team called Hendon, um, played for their youth team. And that's when a guy called Frankie O'Brien, who I'm still in touch with now, uh, botted me as a 15-year-old and took me into West Ham. And then I, I was fortunate enough to be off of my YTS, and, and that's where it all began. And of course, West Ham is known for their academy. Um, were, were you in the same academy with Matt, Matty Holland? So of course, Matt Holland's you know, legend at the club. Were you with him in the same year group or a little bit? Matty was the year above me, yeah. so he was, our, he was our head boy. And um, he was... You knew he had a chance when we was kids uh, in the, in the youth team because Matty has has proven in throughout his career he's Mister Consistent um, and he was like that as a youth team player. He's a really nice guy as well. Even when we were young boys, you could tell he's a nice young man as well. Um, and there was him and another guy called Danny Williamson who mm. broke into the first team and eventually got sold to Everton, I think, for about three million pounds, and then had a career-ending injury. So we had a couple that come through our youth team, but obviously the connections with with Ipswich and Matty is obvious. Uh, and I'm still in touch with Matty now. He's a he's had a brilliant career, and now he's doing really well in the in the pundit side of it as well. Definitely. Um, let's quickly chat about what you know. West Ham career. Did you was at any point you know you're trying to break through to the first team because who was in charge? It was Harry Redknapp, and um, who else is there? Well, it was now. Billy Bonds who Billy gave Bonds, me yeah. my first professional contract yeah. and and then Billy left and Harry took over mm-hmm. and I you know you always you're always hopeful um, that you're, you're going to get a chance I was playing fairly regular in the reserves at the time it was a combination league wasn't it back in yeah. the day so we had a lot of reserve team football and I was doing alright in that and there was there was murmurs that I would, might get an opportunity in the squad um I actually had Stuart Slater in front of me. He was playing on the on the wings at uh, West Ham at the time as well, and I used to clean Stuart's boots. <laughs> so there's another connection with the club. Definitely. Um, but no, I played in one reserve game, and we played at we played at Arsenal, and I think I, I, think I made a goal and got a hat trick, and there was there was plenty of talk about um, me being in the next squad. And I started to believe it myself, and I thought, well, I can't do any more as a as a young pro. 
Um, and then the squad come out and I weren't in the squad and it kind of changed my mindset a little mm. bit. I thought, well, I can't do any more than what I've done and I'm still not getting any closer. So I sort of, you know, the opportunity to go out on loan came around and then that kind of kick-started my obsession with playing on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> at three o'clock. You, um, would you say them loan spells helped you? Of course, you joined Shrewsbury Town and of course you joined them on a permanent basis. Um, I'm always intrigued on how loan moves go. Sometimes they're not so great. Sometimes they are good in terms of possibly joining them. How is back then? How was loan spells? How long was that process? Well, it was, I, I remember Harry calling me in the office um, and I'd, I'd had a loan spell at Leighton Orient for a, for a month as well. So I played maybe seven or eight games for them. And then I'd, 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 I'd obviously Shrewsbury come around first. Um, and I remember Harry, Harry having me in the office and just saying that there's an opportunity, go and get some football. And, you know, straight away, like me eyes lit up because that's all I wanted to do. Um, and there was a chance to make my debut, my, my league debut. So I remember we was playing Swansea on uh, on the Tuesday night, and which was a bit of a rival game for Shrewsbury. And I drove up to Shrewsbury on the Tuesday afternoon, um, met the chairman, met the manager, and then I only met the players like the hour and a half before the kickoff. Wow. And, you know, I walked in like I was a little skinny little... 18 year old at the time and there's all these big men in there and I walked in and made my debut scored on my debut and it's kind of all started off from there but no it, it, it was a bit of and I've got this story about obviously even my time at Ipswich it all, it all becomes a bit of a whirlwind at times because yeah. you can go into work one day and by the end of the day you've got a different shirt on yeah. and that's how it can happen Um so of course, you decided to join Shrewsbury Town on a permanent basis instead of signing a new contract. Um, was that a decision that you didn't take lightly? Did you just sort of go, if I want to progress in my career, I need to drop down the leagues, unfortunately, and then sort of push on from there? Do you know what? I've just had this... Ross, it's been within me from, from such a young age. Yeah. I just want to play football. Mm. And I still have it in me now. I'm, You know, and... and now I'm a manager and I look at players and I sometimes see them walking out on the training pitch and it's a little bit like an effort or whatever. And I just think, my God, you play football for a living. Come on, should be skipping out here. And that opportunity, once I'd had the taste of playing football on a Saturday afternoon and you're entertaining and you're, there's three points on up for grabs and that buzz in the change room when you win and that togetherness that you can have. Once I'd had that taste, the thought of going back to West Ham and potentially going back to combination league football and, you know, will I get a chance, won't I get a chance? I just, I got hooked on it mm. and Shrewsbury come in for me. I had a successful loan period and I thought, you know, it, it, it was, although I was offered a new deal at West Ham, it was a pretty straightforward call yeah. for me because I thought, you know, I've gone there and I've enjoyed playing. I want to continue playing. So I went. And um, that must have been big for you, you know. How old were you then when you moved? Because it's a bit of a way to go from, you know, growing up in Wembley and then having to go to, you know, Shrewsbury, Wales, and I think. Yeah, it's on the border. Yeah, listen, yeah. but it, it, it was always about the football. So yeah. I'd gone there and enjoyed playing football. I enjoyed the manager at the time, a, 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 an old guy called Fred Davies, mm. um, ex-goalkeeper, who was brilliant with me. And I had a really good time there. And... 
because I was playing and I'd obviously built up a nice relationship with everyone at the club, the players, the fans, etc. It felt like quite a natural decision to make. Um, I don't. I'm not someone who sort of lives with regrets anyway, Ross. And yeah. some people say to me, "Do you wish you'd have stayed at West Ham?" You know, I'm, I could have stayed there and I could have played in the reserves for the next three years and not played as many footballers as much football as I had at a young age. But you know, I was. I went now, and by the age of maybe 20, 21, I played over 100 league games, and that was that helped me get my career up and running. Yeah, because some players say they stay at the academies like West Ham or Chelsea and they have loads of loan spells out and actually don't actually make over 100 appearances until they're 25. So for that, it must have been good. And of course, you went on to go to Plymouth and then return. Um, of course, you went to Barnet before, of course, you're now manager of Barnet. Um, that must have been a whirlwind to play for Barnet and then, uh, of course, managing. I really enjoyed my time there. Now, uh, the, the, the manager at the time was a guy called John Steele, who's obviously mm. you know been around a long, long time as a manager. And... He's a he's an East End boy, so he was he was always and I only found this out obviously once a time for him that mm. he was always over Chad Belief watching our youth team games and 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 watching the reserve games because he's come from Milford, um, so it was not too far for him, and he, he he always kept tabs on me. And then the opportunity come around uh, when he was at Barnet, it kind of brought me back home again, if you like. Yeah. Um, and having spoke with him about how he wanted to play, I knew one or two of the players that were at Barnet. You know, it was a little bit, I suppose you look and say it's a little bit of a sideways move, but I still wanted the opportunity to be playing regular, and that's what that that's what John could sort of offer me going back to Barnet. So it was a it was a it was a good move for me. It probably Shrewsbury I don't regret mm. and it was a it was a I enjoyed my football there, but I would certainly say that it was it was the Barnet move that really started to get me up and running in my career. Definitely. Um, oh, hopefully, I've done this research right. Unfortunately, I want to bring you bad news, but of course, you got you of course relegated with Barnet during that time. Um, yeah. How how was that at the time? Yeah, it was tough because we'd 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 been in the playoffs the year before. Um, and we, we we had a good side. We did have a decent side. And John still decided to move upstairs, as they called it, you know, and go as like a head of football. And Tony Cotty come in as a manager. Ah. And he come in as like the player manager. And Tony, in all fairness, he'd he done brilliant for us on the pitch. Yeah. Um, I think he got maybe 12, 13 goals for us. And, and he was a real joy to play with. But, all I can say is the fact that he's, he left Barnet and has never managed again yeah. tells you that it weren't really for him. And it kind of really dismantled, not him alone, don't get me wrong, it's never just one person's fault, but it kind of dismantled the season for us and we just got on a got on a real bad run of gap that we couldn't reverse and it went down to a, a final game against Torquay at Underhill. Um, unfortunately, missed a penalty in the game, Oof. and and it and it led to the game itself. Whoever won stayed up, and we unfortunately lost on the occasion. Then um, your next move was, of course, Wickham. Um, unfortunately, you suffered relegation there again. 
Uh, what, how was your spell there? Of course, they've of course got up the, the leagues, had a good season in League One this campaign. Um, what's your time like there? And of course, again, suffering relegation, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not nice to keep... I mean, relegation automatically makes you think that you've been poor. And listen, it's a team game, so I, I have to take my fair share of responsibility. It goes without saying. Um, but, you know, when we went down with Barnet, I'd, I'd done... Um, I'd, I'd got in player of the season awards and you know I, I'd, I'd got in the team of the year in the in the PFA and personally I can look back and go did I do enough that personally and, mm. and I did and I feel I did with goals and assists and what have you and it's the same you know selfish story if you like at, at, at Wickham I we did get relegated again you know, and I don't want it to come across like excuses, Ross, but yeah. we was we was going well and then Tony Adams come in as a manager. Oh, yeah, wow. Um, uh, I, I played for a spell under Laurie Sanchez. He signed me um, and things were going well at Wickham. And then John Gorman took over for a short period of time and he was he's, he's brilliant, wonderful, yeah. wonderful man. Um, and then Tony come in, and I didn't really see eye to eye with Tony. That he wasn't, he wasn't for me really as a manager. I didn't like his style of management, and I I fell out with him. And I was I was surplus at the club, and I and I could move on. Um, I tried to move on at, uh, on one deadline day. He told me I could go, and then blocked a couple of transfers right at the last minute. So I sort of come back into the club with my tail between my legs a little bit. And then he, he he let me leave the club in the summer, um, and I moved on to that's when I moved on to Brighton. Because um, you you're on trial at Brighton at first. How was um how was a trial in the summer? Because of course when you get released, or was there of course you had a good season, so I'm sure there have been a few clubs that were interested in you um, as a free agent. But did you have to go on trial there? Yeah, I'd, I'd had I'd had quite a few offers from. Uh, teams in League One. I remember speaking with Peterborough, and they'd put a deal towards me. Um, but I'd spent a long period, obviously, uh, in the lower leagues, League mm. One and League Two, and then this opportunity uh, to have a trial period at Brighton came about. Now, I had some contracts on the table, and at the time, I thought, well. Got to roll the dice a little bit and back myself, and I've got to take this trial opportunity, even though I've got security in place already if I want it. So I, I, I took and I spoke with Mark McGee, and Mark was the manager at the time, and he was very clear with me. You know, come in, we know what you're capable of doing. I think everyone has this obvious opinion of myself that well, I'm not very quick, I don't look the fittest or whatever. So it was more. Mark saying to me, look, I know about your ability and what you can do with a ball, but you need to come and improve yourself fitness-wise. And they put me on this really tough training program um, during the pre-season, during the trial period. And they were obviously quite in- impressed by how fit I'd managed to get myself. And, and, and then they give me a year's contract. And then, of course, from there, you then join town in December of 2004. Of course, back then, that's when 
there wasn't really a proper transfer window when I was doing some research on different players. And I, there's always random signings like in September, October, and of course yours is in December. How, um, yeah. when was the first sort of instance that you knew interest from from Hitchridge Town? two days before I signed okay um, I, 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 how I see it and, and, and people may see it different but when I'd gone to Brighton in the championship it was my first time at playing at that level mm. and we had a really good side at Brighton obviously uh, teams didn't enjoy playing at the with Dean because it wasn't it wasn't yeah. a proper football stadium um, and I'd, I'd really settled in very quickly there I knew some of the boys we had a good we had a good team, good manager, and I'd set. I'd started the season really well, and then I remember Mark having me in for a conversation about a new deal to stay at Brighton. Mm. And when we first had these conversations, I was more than happy to to sign a, a new deal because I didn't know anything else. So it was like, oh, great! I've, yeah. I've done all right. I've been offered better terms on a, on a longer contract so I was, I was delighted and then a couple of days uh, later I, I found out through my agent that there was a there was a bit of interest from, from Ipswich and it just happened very quickly the two clubs agreed the fee and then before you know it I was driving up the A12 and, and heading to Ipswich and I remember the first time sitting down having a conversation with Joe Royal um, who is comfortably the best manager I've worked for he was an incredible guy and he sat down and he said to me he said I've, I've been following you Darren for, for many years I knew about you when you was at Shrewsbury and I was at Man City and oh, wow. he said yeah he said I had Peter Begree at the time he said and you're quite similar to him and I thought about taking you there he said but um, it didn't happen for whatever reason he said, but now you're sitting here. And I think we played at Portman Road for Brighton yeah. um, not long before I signed. And he said to me that they'd done all the ProZone stats and what have you. And he said, I, I, I was in the top three or something of, of how much distance was covered in the game. I think Ian Westlake covered the most, but he could run all day anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it might have been... Uh, Kevin Orlock or Tommy Miller and it certainly weren't Jim Magilton I know that <laughs> um, but it was I was in the top three and he said to me and I won't use the swear words he used but basically when I realised that you weren't such a lazy little sod um, I thought I'd try and sign you so then Prozone stats that I completed on the game at Portman Road sealed my move to the club and um, you were the first fee paid by Joe Raw as manager as well I don't know if you know that yeah I was aware of that so um, listen I was just I was honoured to come and sign for the club I was pleased that he was willing to to sign me and it was just a it was just a real pleasure and I think what helps and I I can sometimes look at it now as a manager and what you're looking for in a player and maybe Joe looking at me as a winger and being an ex-centre forward who liked getting on the, the end of crosses maybe that's what sort of that gave us that little connection you know what I mean because I, I feel that from the other side now as a manager um, you probably know what the next question will be of course your debut um, of course it sort of links up well with your you know your uncle uh, Tony of course played at QPR 
Of course, you scored in your debut, came off the bench. Of course, got an assist as well. That you know, what's your memories of that day? Oh, it was perfect, wasn't yeah. it? I was. I mean, I, I I trained on the Friday, and I think we travelled down and stayed overnight in preparation. Um, I knew one or two of the players, so I got you know Pally with them, and then we turned up at QPR, and and it was. And for me, where I'd, I mean, I was 29 at the time and I'd, I'd spent from 18 to 29 being told I am this and I ain't that and I ain't quick enough. And, and, and I, there'd been so much that had gone on um, over that 10, 11 year period where I've been trying to not necessarily prove people wrong, but just prove to myself that I can, I'm worthy of playing at a, a, a big club on the big stage. And... You know, we, we I trained on the Friday, so I was very aware of the, the quality of players I had around me. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've gone on record in the past to saying that there was times where I used to find training at Ipswich harder than the games because the standard of the player we had there at the time was incredible. Um, but I felt that was the moment, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm where I feel I deserve to be, and obviously. You know, watching the first half and watching how we was playing and listening to Joe's commands and Willie's, Donnerkey's commands and Steve McCall, what they're, what they're asking. I'm thinking, yeah, this is all what I want to hear. Mm. And then I obviously get my chance and and get a, get my goal and get the assist. Slight deflection on the goal, but I'll take it. And, you know, it was just, it was just a crazy 48 hours for me, but very, very memorable 48 hours as well definitely um, I want to pretty just bring up Joe Raw again of course you said he's you know you're one of your favourite managers who played under what was Joe like as a as a, a gentleman and also as a manager to you know play under I just think there's no grey areas with Joe I think mm-hmm. he's very straight down the line with you he'll tell you it how it is um, I thought he was very honest I thought he was there was always a very clear line between when we're due to have a little bit of fun and when we're working and we're working with a purpose. Um, and it, I, I think he got the balance spot on. And what, what again, I can, I can see it more now I'm a manager myself, but what you need is when you are a manager, you need that sort of four or five of your solid pros that can sort of run your camp for you. Yeah. And he had that in, in Jace DeVos and he had that in Kev Horlock and Jim Magilton, Fabian Wilness. He had that core of sort of leaders underneath him that could manage the change room as well. But Joe was, Joe was brilliant like every day. And listen, trust me, there was a side to him when mm. you stepped out of line, there was a side that, you know, you didn't want to see too often, <laughs> but he'd be the first to be, patting you on the back when you deserved it so just just a really honest honest nice guy uh, we, you know you name checked a few players there which players were you really you got along with really well in your course in your training room and stuff like that well I knew Kev Horlock from, from our days at West Ham mm-hmm. and so if I go back to my youth team days it was me then there was Matty Holland a year above me I think Kev might have been in the year or two above Matty so you know I, I knew Kev from being a young boy at West Ham. Tommy Miller I'd played against in his time at Hartlepool. So I had a, I had a little connection with Tom. Um, and then the, the other, it, they, they were such good lads and they were such an easy group to 
to connect with like even Bam Bam like who I, I love to bits all of them they were just they were just so good listen it was it was good for me that I got off on a positive note with the goal and the assist and then we went on to the Wigan game where we won as well um, so I, I did settle quick but you know that wasn't just because of what was going on on the pitch it was it was how good the group of players were off the pitch as well they're a really tight knit group and now let's get into that season in, in general of course unfortunately we missed out on the on, you know on automatics of course finished third I, I still trying to get over this to this day I was a very young lad at the time I was only nine um, yeah. and trying to understand how we got 85 points and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to bring up the miss against Leeds um, I'm sure you were sort of maybe prepared <laughs> for that um, have, have you been able to get over that season I'm sure some players even Joe may not be able to get over that no I haven't to be honest because that was my that was my one chance at, at, at getting into the Premier League um, I know I, I eventually left on loan to Derby and they got promoted but only played a, a, a very small part and then no part at all in the in the playoff final but mm. you know I, because of how I feel about Ipswich and how much I love the club I was only there for you know two two and a bit years but I look back at that and, and I still you know every now and then if I try and bring it up my missus will go to me oh, you still not got over that yet because I haven't because we was we were so dominant and we was we did have a good side and you know we had two chances as well didn't we because we was going well in the league up till the end of the season and then obviously your, your second opportunity is the, is the playoffs and my memory of the first leg at West Ham was obviously we'd, we'd, we'd done okay and, and, and taken the draw and then taking them back to Portman Road where we where we had been really dominant all season and, and obviously with the crowd getting behind us there was there was confidence about us we wasn't overconfident but we there was a, certainly a confidence about us going into the into the second game um just didn't happen and I haven't quite I don't think I'll ever get over it if I'm yeah. being honest Ross it's, it was my one opportunity and I'd have been I'd have been the proudest I could possibly even dream of being if if we'd have been successful this that season. I was due to. I was with. I bought my first house with my wife to be. I had my uh, wedding due that summer, yeah. and my daughter was due in the August. And obviously, potentially getting promoted with Town as well, it would have been perfect. The, yeah. perfect, the perfect summer for me. So. I got three out of the four, but you know, I, I talk more about the four than the other, <laughs> yeah. uh, the fourth one that I didn't get than the other three. <laughs> yeah. Would you? Uh, no, I, listen, you did yeah. mention the miss at Leeds, and, and and a lot of a lot of town fans do mention it, and I haven't really got anything. It's, it's what it is, isn't it? To say it, listen, I. One thing I will say mm. is, throughout my career, I, I, when I speak to goalie coaches and 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 obviously the goalkeepers, I trained with they've always said to me I try to be too precise Mm. Um, and maybe on that occasion I was trying to tuck it too much into the corner when I had you know three quarters of the goal gaping at me and I I put it wide so it was a poor miss on a massive on a massive stage which you know I do get reminded of but listen you've got to take the rough of the smooth that's the game we're in it was a bad miss and 
and I was as disappointed as anyone that it didn't nestle in the bottom corner. <laughs> now, um, let's get on to, of course, the second season. Uh, wasn't as successful as that, but of course we lost. We lost a few, you know, good players. You know, Darren Bent went and stuff like that. Did you, from then, did you know that all oh, this change, this team is a bit changing? Of you know, there's a few other little signings here and there that's happening. Maybe not as good as sort of replacing the likes of Darren Bent. Did you fear for the next season or not? You can you can certainly look at it that way. The the team we had, you kind of knew that. Promotion would have kept the majority of it together, mm. and and not getting promoted, you knew that people were going to move on. Now Bentley was was destined to move on, whatever, because he was he was such a good player, um, and that's been proven with the career he's gone on and yeah. had. Um, so you you knew that it was a it was a missed opportunity, and then it was going to be quite different the following season I mean from my point of view it was it was still we still had enough about us if 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 you if if you make the right signings and you bring in the right players to fit into what we're trying to do then then there's always still that chance because everything else is in place at the club um, but it was certainly always going to be a difficult task you know with the squad that we had to then lose some key players from it and then have another run at it the following year. Is there any highlights from that season that you can remember? Do you know what? I don't... <coughs> it's more... It was just a pleasure playing at Portman Road every game. I yeah. remember I remember the feeling of, you know, pulling up to the stadium and warming up and getting ready to play in front of the fans and that there. It was always just such a pleasure to play there because the surface was always immaculate. The brand of football that we'd been asked to play and you know, I always I always tell people now when I speak about Ipswich that they are the most educated fans that I've played in front of because they understand good football, they understand patient football. And obviously, they, they, they want to see winning football, it goes without saying, but the most sort of football-educated fans I've played in front of. So, there's not really individual moments, yeah. but certainly, as a whole, just pulling up and playing at Portman Road every other Saturday was, was a real pleasure. On your, your squad number, you're, of course, number 10 at town. Did you, did you choose that yourself, or was that just a number that was free and just Joe gave it to you? Do you know what? There's, there is a funny story behind that, Ross, okay. because I went in and I remember Joe saying to me, what what number do you like wearing? And I said, oh, I, you know, I don't know, like, really? I've, I've worn a 7, 11, I've worn 10, I don't I don't sort of really mind. I said, well, what, what's available? Is the 7 available? And he went, he went you've got no chance of getting that. That's my Jilton shirt. And Joe being Joe actually told Jim about that. Now, and Jim didn't let it go, did he? So, what, you coming here? He used to give me like, well, you coming in? You want to take my shirts? And I went, Jim, I was just asking what number was available. So, Jim being fiery as he is, as I'm sure you're aware, mm. you know, he, he, he didn't let that go for a while. So, uh, but no, I ended up with a 10. I was more than happy with a 10, but I was just asking questions because 7 and 11 are the white men, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I want to, as I said, when I was a you know young lad, I remember you because you you know you had used to have um tape around your 
<laughs> your socks and of course you used to love doing step overs and as you know a kid I that's what I practice is that something you wanted to bring to your game because you didn't have the unfortunately the greatest of pace but in terms of <laughs> trying to bring something else to your game to just add something else yeah do you know do you know what it is Ross like unfortunately <clears throat> whenever you think about a winger you think about pace mm. uh, uh, you know the two things is, is pace and crossing um, and, and I knew I didn't have pace um, but I would I, I could go both ways, obviously, and 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 I just I I learned to master the sort of art of earning your yard to get your crossing, and it was so it was always looked a bit slow and deliberate. But I would never. Why would I embarrass myself and and try and push it on the outside of someone and have a race with them? Because I ain't going to win a race. So I. I, I I learned that very young in my life that I was never going to win races. So I just adapted my game and, you know, one bit of advice I was given as a kid from my uncle was about playing with both feet. So I, I practiced on equal foot the same amount and it just became a, a feature of my game, which is why I didn't mind playing either left or right. And it wasn't necessarily, sometimes it looked, it might have looked like I was showboating or being or, or entertaining but it that was never that was never in my mind it was just about how I can earn my space to, to deliver the right cross and it just led to me chopping and changing direction a yeah. few times but like I say it was because I didn't want to get into a race with anyone Fair play. Um, now let's get on to a course unfortunately Joe Rawl and of course got sacked um, when did you find out about that? Um yeah, I mean, I, we went into training one day, um, and and it, and it was announced that, that that Joe was was going, and and it was it was for me personally a, a sad day because it brought me to the club, and I'd, I'd got on very well with Joe. Uh, I think he, I thought he was a like I say a, a brilliant manager, but a really nice person as well. And when he left, you know, I was I was. I was really disappointed because obviously he was the one who brought me to the club. Now, um, of course, your former teammate and other slow winger, Jim Magilton, of course, became manager. How was that like, you know, from being your teammate now being your boss? You know, how was that transition? Was that was that murmured for a little bit that you he was going to come in as manager? No, I don't remember it being discussed. I knew, I, I knew Jim wanted to go down that route and I knew that He'd make a, a very good manager because he's he is probably the most passionate football person I know, um, and I got on very well with him when we was teammates. You know, he's he's probably the best player that I played with, and I just loved everything about him. You know, the way he wanted to train, the way he wanted to win, and. When there was a chance of him becoming manager, I thought, you know, because we was friends off the pitch as well, I thought, you know, I've got a, obviously our relationship would change, and I would need to, you know, get myself in a, in in or maintain the condition I was in and make sure that, you know, it wasn't looked upon like I was taking liberties at all because he was a mate of mine, so. I was conscious. I, I went away in that summer, and I was away with Simon Milton, um, and I, I worked very hard to make sure I come back in 
really good condition so that I could give Jim everything that I felt he deserved as a as an ex teammate and now obviously my new boss. So I was pleased he got the job because I knew we was going to play good football. Um and I was looking forward to, to, to playing under under Jim. But it didn't it didn't last too long. There was um you were apparently in talks of signing a new contract with Joe, but then of course he got sacked and then Jim came in. Was there any other more conversation you then still signing that new contract? No, I mean Jim Jim put a bit of a bit of a stop on that. Um and we'd we'd had a few conversations. Um he was aware that I wanted to stay. But I think it became fairly apparent quite quickly that Jim felt he wanted to change a few things up and and, and, and I would be I would be asked to move on. So listen, it was it was bitterly disappointing for me because I wanted to stay. Um but I also I also wanted to play as well and, and, and Jim made it clear that it would it would be difficult for me to play on him as, as regular as I wanted and it was best that I moved on and you know I, I, I was gutted I'll, I'll be honest Ross I was bitterly disappointed that I, I had to leave and me and Jim didn't speak for a period of time because I felt really disappointed that he didn't want to keep me but listen we're back on track now he's yeah, uh, I get I, I get over things quickly mm-hmm. I don't hold grudges I'm not that type of person but it was it was because how high regard I held him in and the fact that I wanted to stay and you know leaving was leave, leaving did hurt me yeah. um, did you were you living you know in Ipswich or were you like outskirts of Ipswich at the time no, I was so I'm halfway down the A12 in okay. in Whitham near sort oh, yeah. of Colchester, Chelmsford Way. So and I'm still there now. Um, so because my daughter was due to be born um, when I when I first signed for town, we didn't want to move all the way to Ipswich because we needed my wife needed some help with with the baby from from family who lived in Hertfordshire at the time. So we sort of went halfway up the A12 and, and we've stayed there ever since. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, when, during that season with Jim, you, of course, had loan spells. You mentioned Derby, you, of course, Coventry. And um, you also had a spell on trial at LA Galaxy. I'm, I'm sure you, you were expecting me to bring that up. How was that? Yeah. Well, uh, America, again, it's a, it, it's a town connection with Frankie Yallop being yeah. in charge of Galaxy at the time. Um and he wanted to sign me and, and, and have a look at me. And I think it was just agreed that rather than signing straight away, I'd, I'd go over there and have a, have a couple of weeks over there just to see them have a look at me and me have a look at them. And, you know, at the end of the two weeks, I think it was fairly mutual agreement between myself and Frankie that it wasn't, he didn't think it was right for me and, and, and I didn't think it was it was right in the end. To be honest, I didn't. It was before the whole MLS thing. I mean, it's it's massive now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But it, it was just before it all sort of kicked off. And I kind of the age I was at and how I felt about playing in England and how passionate I am about football. I just felt that they hadn't grasped that just yet over there. And I thought I can't drag my family over here. Um, you know, I remember, I tell people, Ross, I, I remember going in the change room 
uh, at Galaxy and they're being like football on the TV. They want to flip it over and put bas- base, uh, baseball and basketball on the TV. And I thought to myself, can't have this. I, I, I live and breathe football and they don't seem as... And I remember just thinking, I can't bring my family over here because I know after a few months, I, I don't think it's going to be right. So that sort of led to me coming back and going on loan to Derby. Um and I was happy to do that because I was happy to obviously go to a, a, another very good club, but certainly felt like there was some unfinished business to to be done in England. Definitely, of course. You know, going over to America is not really a long term sort of plan. There really is it sometimes. You know, it's you know a great you know country to go to, and you know maybe living in LA and stuff. But how long would you be able to do that for? And then. You know, that's, that's the risk you would, you would have to take if you did do that. But, of course, you didn't think that was the right thing to do. Um, of course, you then joined Derby. Of course, they were riding high in the leagues. Of course, went on to win um, promotion to the Premier League. Did you enjoy your time there as well? Yeah, it, it was brilliant. And, and he was another really good manager to play under, Billy Davis. Yeah. Um, very, very focused, very detailed with his approach. Um, I, I learned a lot of Billy. I liked the way... He, he conducted the day-to-day running of the club, and again, you know, it. I was I was fortunate enough to walk into another really good changing room with some really good players there, um, and they obviously, you know, was at the end of the season went on to be successful enough to get promoted through the through the playoffs and and, and beat West Brom at Wembley in the in in the final. So it was a it was a good. Short spell. I didn't. I think only played maybe eight or nine games. Maybe, maybe not even that. Seven games, maybe. Uh, unfortunately, not involved in the in the match day squad for the for the. Uh, I was involved in the squad till a lie, but I didn't. I didn't make the bench or or the start at eleven at Wembley. But but you were there and stuff. I was. Yeah, we was all there. The whole club went, and it yeah. was you know it was a great occasion for everyone. And again, I. A common theme with me. I'm still in touch with with quite a few of the boys there because you know, I've met some good people at that club and throughout my career. Um, when you you knew your time was up at Ipswich Town, what was the next step for you in your career? Where did you think you wanted to go? Um, did you want to try to find another Championship club, or did you think you know age was unfortunately not on your side? Um, but where did you think you wanted to go? It was just about it was just about finding. Finding the right club that would that I felt would give me what I was looking for. I'd obviously really enjoyed my time at Ipswich, um, although it finished not how I wanted it to. Um, and then I had a, a, a good spell at Derby, and then it was just about finding a, a, a club where I could feel settled again. And you know. Players often. This is this is what all players want. They want to play as regular as they can. I mean, there's there's many components to that. Obviously, form and you know how you how you train, how you conduct yourself. There's loads that goes to that. But I wanted to find a club where I could play as regular as I could. Um, and as proven in my career, moving around isn't a problem. So wherever that club would have been, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. And it just so happened that. You know, I, I spoke to Luton at the time, and Kevin Blackwell, who, who's someone I knew, was trying to build a, a team that was going to go for promotion. And some of the signings he'd, he'd made prior to us talking 
made me think, yeah, they've got a chance. So I ended up signing at Luton. Of course, um, they went into course in administration during your time there, and of course suffered a ten-point penalty and were relegated. What was that yeah. like as, as a player? Like going, oh wow, you know we've got a big task now to try to get this ten-point penalty. You know, trying to get some points to try to not get relegated. But that must have been a interesting time. Well, once we'd gone into once we'd gone into administration, there was there was quite a few of us that left. Um, before I think I left before the, the the penalty was handed out and 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 obviously they the back end of that season eventually got relegated but I once we'd gone into administration um, I was one of half a dozen players that you know they felt that they needed to move out for financial reasons and you know just trying to recoup some money and what have you so I, I ended up I ended up leaving um Luton it was you know it was it was another difficult time for the club to go through I mean another very good club um with with brilliant support and we'd we'd had a good squad and we would we'd had a couple of good cup rounds and we was in a in a position where we could challenge and then obviously administration come along and and, and it just changed the, the whole direction of the club um, thankfully, they're back. Yeah, you know, back in the championship now after after a difficult period in their history. But it certainly changed the direction we was going that season, and and I ended up moving on. I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think I was might have been thirty three by now, um, and then I had the opportunity to go up to Chesterfield. Um, now I'm sort of heading towards the back end of my career. Mm-hmm. During your time there, did you think coaching was your next step? You know, you were getting to that at that particular age. You must have gone, okay. You know, I've still got still got the legs to play, but you know, you always want to make sure you've got a plan B when you are set to, to retire. So, did you think coaching was always the plan? Of course, when you went to Dagenham, you were a caretaker there. So, was that the plan all the time? Yeah, once when I when I moved up to Chesterfield, now I was I was fortunate enough to sign a three year contract at thirty three. So. It gave me that little bit of security where um, I knew for the next three years I needed to make them count, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. So, you know, with with my kids being fairly young as well, my wife went back to college to study to become a teacher, um, which which she still is today. She's a design technology teacher. And I made sure... Once a time for Chesterfield, I'd got on my coaching path, and because I knew that's where I wanted to go, so I, I started my coaching badges at Chesterfield, and then once my time there finished, and we moved back down south, and I went to Dagenham. Uh, while I was playing for Dagenham, uh, I I was taking the under twelves in the in the okay. academy as well. Um, so I was getting, but by now, where I'd sort of, I was, I was 35, maybe 36 by now. So I knew I'd started to sort of become a bit of a coach anyway. And everything, how I'd felt about football in my mind and how I'd always speak about football. I was now starting to help the people within the first team at Dagenham, as well as doing my coaching with the kids in the academy. Um, and it eventually got to a stage where I was asked to take the under-21s. <coughs> uh, 
um, at Dagenham. And then when, when John Steele left Dagenham and then a guy called Wayne Burnett took over at Dagenham, he was the coach in the first team at the time and he promoted me up to be one of his assistants. Okay. So it kind of, it, it was... It was kind of quite natural that I'd been through the academy and then I started to do the under-21s and that was kind of the next step. Um, and then I, while I was doing that, I, I, I continued to play a little bit of non-league football for, for Hendon. You know, if you go back to where I started at 16, 15, um, I started to play for Hendon because I had some friends there. Um, and in the end, you know, it was I had to make a decision whether I, I try and sort of strive for another year, two, three years maybe of playing, or do I take the step into into full time coaching as, as as Wayne's assistant? And you know, although I've never officially retired, it was that was the next thing to do. It was I had to look at the next twenty years rather than the next okay. year or two. So, are you not still not officially retired then? <laughs> I've certainly not got any slower and I've not yeah. got any quicker. So I, I might have a game or two in me, but I don't think yeah. I've got a season left. But no, I haven't I, I, I haven't officially retired, but it just got to that point yeah. where, you know, I think I might have been thirty eight when I when I when I sort of stopped playing, let's say. Um and the opportunity to, to go into like first team coaching. And, you know, even now like I try my best to join in once in a while because I still have that bug to want to be out and be the player. Definitely. Uh, of course, you know, Burnett got sacked um, at Dagenham. How was that being a caretaker manager? That must have been, been interesting. You know, I think you were two games in charge, I think, during your time there. How was that? Yeah, I think we had three games. Okay. Um, and we won two and lost one. Um now it, we was just I remember it being over the Christmas period so we were just so we had I think we had the Boxing Day we might have had the 28th and we had New Year's Day something like that so it was around the Christmas period and um, me and the other assistant was, was thrown in I, I felt for Wayne Wayne is Wayne's now the under 23's manager at Tottenham and he's a brilliant brilliant coach brilliant manager and in the first season he took over, we, we just missed out on the playoffs. And then in the second season, um, we, we we hadn't gone so well. And But where we'd set the bar with the previous season and then we were just below the bar, it, it you know, that that's what happens when you set standards and you fall below them. You obviously run the risk of, of getting criticised and, and, and we're all aware of that. Um, but Wayne... I felt for Wayne because the remit at the club was only to to stay up really because you know the the, the finances behind the club and what have you. So that so we was on target to fulfil what was being asked of of us and and what was being asked of Wayne. But like I say, we'd set that bar the season previously and yeah. and we fell below it. So Wayne lost his lost his job and then we got the chance to take two or three games. Me and Warren Hackett and then. And then obviously John Steele come back. <laughs> your um your connection with him is you know so long, isn't it? Of course, you know <laughs> he said you came back to Dagenham to be the manager, and then he, of course, then brought you over to to Barnet, where of course you're now a manager. Of course, you're assistant manager under him. Yeah. What was John 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 like as a as a as a manager and also just as a bloke? I uh, listen. He's a he's a proper football guy. Yeah. And he, he's been he's been brilliant for me. 
uh, over the years. You know, we've had we've had a few discussions and heated debates and arguments when I was a player because you know I wanted to play and if he left me out and I could be a bit of a sulker and what have you when in my younger years. So you know, we always sort of reminisce and talk about them times and he's got a few stories to tell but he's a he's he's done absolutely incredible throughout his career to be a manager for I think it was 40 41 years um and he had his way of doing it and one thing these coaching badges teach you is get a belief and get a philosophy and stand by it and and John has done that and I didn't always agree with everything he done he knows that um but he had a way of doing things and he was successful doing it and, and, and that's why he was true to himself. But, you know, I've learned I've learned a lot from him uh, playing under him and I learned a lot from him working alongside him and, you know, he took me along to, to Barnet with him and we kind of knew that if he was to leave or at the end of his contract, all being well, I would be next in line and, and, and I would get my opportunity and it, it came around... A little bit sooner than yeah. we, I anticipated, but nevertheless, I, I felt I was ready. Of course, now you've been—I think you've been in charge there for a year now as a permanent manager. How's how's that year been? Of course, now we're in a current situation, and of course, you can't really do much in terms of on on the pitch. But uh, how has your year been there? It's been it, so. It's been—I think it's been about fourteen, fifteen months now. Yeah. So I, I had I had half of last season where we had. You know, uh, we had the cup runs and Sheffield United in the Brentford yeah. game, which is which, which is which were fantastic experiences. And then, you know, I, I always used to hear Ross when I was a player, and whenever I w- watched Sky Sports News and what have you, and I, and I hear managers saying, "Oh, I, I, I need I need pre-season to make it my own." And I always used to think, I wonder kind of what that truly means. But now having taken over halfway through a season and then having my own pre-season, I have a better understanding of it. Now, pre-season is what all managers need because that's where you lay your foundations and that's where you put your building blocks. And taking over halfway through a season was brilliant. Don't get me wrong, I loved it. But it was. it's been this season where from day one, it, the ship's been run how I've wanted it to be run. Um, well, to a certain degree, chairman has the ultimate say. <laughs> but in terms of how we train and how we prepare and how we play and the style and the brand of football, etc., this season's been far more enjoyable because from day one it's been myself and my staff how how we wanted it to be done. Have you been Have you been back to 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 watch some games since I'm um, leaving? <laughs> It's been hard while I've been involved in in first team football. Of course, um, but when I, I I have been back a couple of times, I've done I've done some commentary for a couple of games um, for BBC Suffolk, I think it was, um, and then I've, I've come back uh, on the odd occasion. We we play we we play in some sort of charity games each each summer yeah. where we all all meet up and have a kick about. So me, Matty. Kieran Dyer plays, Titus Bramble, Milks plays. So whenever there's an opportunity to come back, I never refuse because I, I love coming back now. That's the only other thing you can add, Ross. I'd love to be the Ipswich manager one day. Yeah, you know, you know what? You know, if you 
you know, that's what we're looking for. I think sometimes we're looking for like former players. Sometimes us town fans, we, we like sort of that connection is um, sort of a player, you know, a former player, you know, Jim did it, you know, George Burley did it. Um, so, you know, let's, let's see a couple more years, see where we're at. Do you know what it is about that club? And it's, it's such a family club mm-hmm. and, and and what you want to create, and this is what I want to create as a manager now, is you want people to be happy when they come to football. Yeah. So to get the best out of the players, they need to be happy. So to make them happy, the, the, all the things attached to that is how you make their family feel, how you make them feel when they come in every day to training. And I can honestly say, like, driving in every day was a pleasure. Mm. And then... When, I, when my wife used to come to the games and then my, my daughter was born and how they used to, tr- all the staff that worked on all the gates and the doors, how they used to treat my wife and then she'd go up at half-time have a cup of tea. Just everywhere you turned at Ipswich, it was just such a well-run family club, which is why you have people that have been there either 10 years, five years, one year, like two and, two and a bit years like myself. They feel so attached to the club. Do you know what I mean? Do you, um, of course, you know the current situation we're in. Of course, we've got relegated last year. Did, did, have you been looking out for, you know, do you look out for the results of your former team, especially Ipswich? And then, well, listen, I, I signed my my first, my very first signing as permanent manager was Scott Lunch. Ah, so, oh, yeah. Um, soon as we come in and we've, I've done my team talk at the end of the game, um, me and Lochi normally looking over each other's shoulder, checking on Ipswich score. It's normally the first score we look for. Um, so it's normally one of us saying to the other one, he'll be like that, he'll uh, or Ipswich one or whatever, you know, and, and, and it's the first it's the first result that me and Lochi look for. That must have been, a, what, what a signing for you, bringing Scott, you know, he's still, for me, he could be a, a decent calibre goalkeeper in League 1 or League 2 for him to go into, you know, no respect to, you know, Barnet in your current situation, but that was that must have been a great signing for you. How did that sort of come about? Well, he he lives sort of Midlands way okay. and he was at Hartlepool and I think he wanted to get a little bit closer to home now. I don't think it's that much closer, but mm. um, it, it, was an op- it was an opportunity that got put to me last summer by his agent and it was a no-brainer for me. Definitely. I, I, I knew he was a very good goalie anyway and I'm as shocked as anyone that he's playing at, at this level he should be playing in the league at least um, and, and I can I can tell you now Rossi he's been not only has he been brilliant on the pitch but he is the nicest guy you yeah. could ever wish to meet as well and a top top pro so he would be if I was one day to get the opportunity to, to move on into the league then I would definitely be looking to bring him along with me he's been brilliant yeah, because he's still still pretty young, really. I think he's only thirty-one. I think so. He's still got, yeah. you know, for a goalkeeper, yeah, no. you know, you can go until you're forty if you really want to. So, yeah, and he most likely will because how he looks after himself mm. and how he trains. So he, there's every chance he could easily have another eight or nine years in his career. So he's he's been good as gold, mate. Top yeah. top man, yes. Well, um, thank you very much, Darren. Uh, keep safe and well, and uh, I look forward to you hopefully being an Ipswich Town manager someday. <laughs> Appreciate it, Ross. Thanks for your time, mate. That's all, man. Thank you. From true crime to football, Brexit to Oakville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Then head to audiobeam.com slash channel slash archer.